The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, July 25th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed, the spitting statistician. And, of course, I am joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, I say it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's actually kind of dreary and raining over here by me. How's it going over there by you? How you doing, brother man? Good. Uh, you know, it's rainy by me, but you could always keep keep uh, bad weather away by getting the exclusive edge package on rotoexperts.com. Enter the King at checkout for a special discount. Uh, our new and enhanced player cards are coming very, very soon. Uh, our cheat sheet generator and our sortable projections are live. But hey, you know, this is a national show, so you know, maybe better weather somewhere in the country. Absolutely. You never know. You never know. Let's dive right into it. I got to let you guys know, of course, remember to go ahead and get the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the promo code the King at, dis- at checkout. Scotty, you still got to work on getting that promo code El Ray or the promo code SPEEDS live for the Roto Edge exclusive package. You could also join the show by calling the number 844-843-6879. You could always find us on Twitter at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X, at the All In Kid when he joins the show later on. And I say that because, remember, we are asking for your submissions for your uh, kind of favorite or best fantasy football team name. Uh, it's a way you could potentially win a package down the road. Scotty, I do have some new submissions. We'll get to that a yeah, little I bit have, later I have one myself as well. Okay, yeah. so we'll definitely talk about those a little bit later on in the show as we put the fun in functional sports content. But I want to start with the headlines that we saw in the NFL yesterday. Scotty, this was curious to me. Okay, I see reports um, from the Cleveland Plain Dealer that Jarvis Landry is going to start on the outside, not necessarily in the slot. Now, when we talk about Jarvis Landry as this kind of like target monster that he was with Miami, he did a lot of his work in the slot. That's kind of a lot of where his uh, skill set comes from, the shiftiness, you know, that sort of thing. He played 65% of his snaps last year in the slot. Do you think Cleveland is somehow going to try and make him a uh, – different kind of player? Does this news mean anything to you? Uh, what are they maybe trying to do with Jarvis Landry there in Cleveland? Uh, they're probably going to maybe put somebody else in the slot there, obviously. But, you know, to me, Landry, you know, is a pro. Uh, I think the adjustment will not 
will, will, will not make a major difference. I think he, when you look at where the quarterbacks he played with in Miami, uh, he, he had to be that move-the-chains kind of guy. But then we saw that you know he caught nine touchdowns last year. So maybe Jarvis Landry is a better all-around receiver than than we've seen. And you know, maybe this is where we can where uh, proving ground for it. You know, maybe you see different. Last year, I said maybe you see different type of numbers for him. Uh, you know, when Ryan Tannehill went down and they, the quarterback situation changed. So I think Landry's still going to be a very good wide receiver too. It's just mm-hmm. you know maybe. Uh, maybe more yardage this year, maybe a few less catches, maybe another healthy six-plus touchdown season because for too long we we categorized Landry as a high-catch, low-touchdown guy. Right. And I think he's a better all-around receiver than what he was pigeonholed at in, as for a while in Miami. Okay, fair enough. Yes, the uh, kind of narrative on Jarvis Landry has been that he is that kind of PPR type, like you mentioned, with a lot of catches, but that yards per catch on the low end. So maybe that uh, tilts a little bit. I don't think he's going to turn into a uh, you know Will Fuller type by any stretch of no, the imagination. But he's he's but very good have... at yardage after the catch, yeah, though. If absolutely. He... So yeah. We're talking about maybe a little bit in that direction, or less catches and a little bit more depth, maybe more down the field, more yards per catch. Like you said, he is good with the ball in his hands as well after the catch. Um, Scotty, I do want to stay in Cleveland, you know, because remember, Josh Gordon kind of did not report to camp right away. They said it was kind of part of his, like, overall wellness and treatment plan, that sort of thing. Well, yesterday they're saying that this is a, quote-unquote, brief respite for Josh Gordon that, you know, they're confirming he didn't, like, fail another test. There's no, like, kind of legal issues around this, that this is kind of like a uh, mental health plan, part of his treatment, shall we say. And here's my feeling on it, Scott. I want to think about you. I want to hear yours. Like, okay, fine. Maybe he's not, like, you know, in trouble or something, but, you know, a brief respite? What if he needs a brief respite in mid-November? What if he needs a brief respite, Scott, when I'm heading to the fantasy playoffs? This still feels like, for one reason or another, I can't rely on Josh Gordon. Maybe maybe he's, like, turned the corner in his personal life, but as for a fantasy football owner, like, this is still, this is still instability to me. What do you think, Scotty? Well, I think even before this happened, I don't think we could ever... Th- you know, put the words reliable and Josh Gordon in the same right. sentence. So, uh, yeah, this but is what you have to deal with. He was in the right with. direction, you think, right? Yeah, but, you know, this is what you have to deal with. There's huge upside and there's also huge risk. And it's that's what it's always going to be with Josh Gordon. He's one, he's one step away from helping you win a fantasy championship. And he's one step away where, like, uh, you have to cut him and put him on waivers. You just you don't know what's going to happen. It's ultimate fantasy risk-reward. There's so much talent, yet there's so much risk. So you know, the, the, if you own Josh Gordon, if you just decide to draft Josh Gordon, you're going to have to continue to deal with this. Yeah, I guess it does depend on kind of uh, how risk averse you are. You know, we've talked about this before, right? The guys that have this kind of boom bust or the unreliable, shall we say, it really comes down to how much risk you're trying to take. Because I look at him in your ranks, you know, Scott, and again, we have that issue with maybe, you know, when your ranks have been updated or at least on the screen that I am viewing, let's say. But, you know, you have Josh We, we fixed all those the, issues. Okay, but you have him in the same neighborhood as guys like Alshon Jeffrey, as guys, you know, like maybe Juju. You know, I mean, like, I would rather have Alshon Jeffrey than Josh Gordon with this kind of news. Like, at least Jeffrey, I feel like, is more consistent. He was healthy all last year. You know, so for me, it comes down to how risk-averse are you. Is that about right, Scott, as it relates to Gordon? Because, yeah, you know, the talent is there. Yeah, but if if Josh Gordon is somehow able to play 
close to a full schedule last year. Let's remember that last year, also on Jeffrey, missed eight games last year. Uh, you know, he last still. Year? What's that? Last I'm sorry. Year I'm sorry. But I'm thinking of somebody else. My bad. All, no last year, Alshon Jeffrey only 57 catches for 789 yards, even though he mm-hmm. scored nine times. If Jock Gordon can play like 13, 14 games, he's going to blow Alshon Jeffrey's numbers away. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But the question is, will he play 13 games? And that's as up in the air as anything right now. But I hear you. You know, there is maybe some risk there. But the reward is a really great reward when it comes to Josh Gordon. We've seen what he's capable of. Yeah, Um, Jeffrey's a safer pick. But he doesn't have anywhere near the upside. Exactly. You know, yeah. that's why when it comes yeah. to this, that's what, you know, what I was saying is that what it comes down to is how risk averse are you? You know, do you want to take that risk or not? Because I think this is a great situation. You know, like you said, Alshon Jeffrey there for your wide out two might be a safer wide out two. But if you're looking to pop, you know, and really kind of go out and be that differentiator, Josh Gordon may be the kind of wide receiver two for you. It depends on how risk averse you are. Um, Scotty, Todd Gurley got an extension yesterday. <laughs> Todd Gurley got an extension yesterday of four years, $60 million. And, Scotty, here's the part that I think is interesting. Of those $60 million, $45 million guaranteed. Now, I want to ask you about it. You know, obviously, congratulations to Lev Bell. I want to ask you what you think about them extending Gurley right away when they still have to deal with Goff. They still have the Aaron Donald. They have, you know, some other things financially to take care of. But the other thing here, Scotty, is like – how do you feel if you're Le'Veon Bell right now? You know, he tweeted three times yesterday after this came out. First of all, he was like, yeah, Todd, you know. And then someone else I saw tweeted about him being like, you know, the Le'Veon Bell, like, supposed offer he got from Pittsburgh only had $10 million guaranteed in it. And Todd Gurley gets $45 million guaranteed. Then people were like, oh, man, uh, Lev Bell is probably upset right now. And he actually responded back to people being like, no, I'm actually really happy. And I would agree he should be happy because this is like reshaping the market for running back. So not only Le'Veon Bell, but David Johnson should be very happy as well because he comes up next year. What do you think? What do you take away from this girly extension? I think you said everything right there. You'd leave well, anything you know, I'm for me to analyze. Stati- I'm just spitting you, that's, why you, that's why you're good at what you do. It's, well, I appreciate you know, it, but I, that I don't, might know, be I don't my know if opinion. I could add. What do you think? I don't know if I can add anything to that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But talk to me about like this guaranteed money because that's the thing that I think you know, kind of the casual fan doesn't necessarily get when you see something like you know the Matt Ryan deal or the Jimmy G deal, right? And and how people are like, yeah, but w- what's the guaranteed money? Because as we know, contracts in the NFL aren't worth the toilet paper that they are written on. So can you tell the people a little bit about maybe why this girly sixty million, forty five million guaranteed? To be quite honest, might be a better deal. Than and what Lev Bell turned down with a $10 million guarantee. And how do you think – what do you think this does for the running back market, though, Scott? Uh, everything you said. You know, it makes it optimistic for the, for the running back market. From fantasy perspective, you know, this is – I don't know if this is news, really, but, uh, it, you know, Gurley won't be one of those guys like Julio Jones or Earl Thomas, you know, right. battling for a new contract. But, you know, I think it just puts another arrow in the uh, – it puts another arrow in the, in, in the bow of, uh, of Le'Veon Bell to get what he wants. So let me ask it to you this way. Let me ask it to you this way because you talked about the fantasy impact, right? And you're right. I wasn't necessarily thinking about the fantasy impact. Sometimes, you know, I'm just reporting football news as well. But here's what could be for me. Um, if you're in a dynasty league, right? If you're in a dynasty league and we're talking about Todd Gurley or Lev Bell, um, 
the, the, the tea leaves that we always talk about, I mean, could, you know, there's a chance, Scotty, that Lev Bell is not in a Steelers uniform next year, right? And that adds uncertainty to his situation and to his fantasy potential. Todd Gurley does not have that uncertainty. So could that be a reason that Gurley's ahead of Bell in Dynasty? No. Yeah, I don't know what the uncertainty there is in fantasy. If Le'Veon Bell's playing somewhere else next year or two years two years from now, he's yeah. still going to be the best running back in fantasy football. Todd Gurley has played at that level for one season. You know, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell has done it more. You know, t- the one right. thing with one split that splits hairs for me at the top of uh, you know the draft order between Bell and Gurley is we've seen this with Levy on Bell to the point where we know what we're getting every year. Longer Not that Gurley can't repeat, but Gurley has played at that level in just one year. Right, right. So uh, the longer track record for Le'Veon Bell is definitely appealing to fantasy owners. Well, regardless, we I will tell you this here. though. I will tell you this though. For you yeah. know, from a ga- from a gambling perspective, you know, it makes me like the Rams more. You know, whatever mm-hmm. their over under is, I don't have it on the screen, but it is uh, nine is and it? a half, I believe. Yeah, nine. Oh, a lot you like of the over there? The over there, yeah. I, I love that the Rams and the Saints on the and the Falcons on the their overs. Yeah, yeah. You talk about that. I like you talking gambling, Scott. I like yeah. that. I like that you're getting into the over-unders with me. I like yeah. that. Go ahead, Scotty. Because you're talking about organizational stability. And ah. when you talk about that, you know, it's you know, things are very clear. Now that they have to get Darren Donald wrapped up and yeah. you know, I think I think what they want to do you, I'm talking about having that organizational stability and nothing internally, any rumblings like an Earl Thomas, Julio Jones, Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell kind of thing. Be quiet. Have the team focus on football and doing better than they did last year. You know, it it makes the Rams more dangerous as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just went on over to mybookie.ag. And remember, Scott, you people can go on over to mybookie.ag and enter the promo code FANTASY, F-N-T-S-Y, and they'll get a deposit bonus, a 50% deposit bonus. Tell them Speeds and Spitting Statisticians sent you. I was, uh, I was slightly off, Scotty, and it's even better in your favor. Uh I said, did I say nine and a half or nine? Because it is nine. Um, Either one, so, I don't care. Yeah. It's, it's, no, you're absolutely right. Over. I mean, nine is even better, though, because let's say they do uh, underperform and go nine and seven. You still get your money back. You still push, right? But I agree with you. I do That believe. team's winning at least 11 games. Yeah, listen, I agree. I think the Rams are hot to trot. I actually have the Rams as one of the two teams in the NFC Championship game this Who's season. Who's the other one? Um, I like, you know, I don't want to reveal it to you just yet. I, I like a team in the NFC North. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I like a team Vikings. in the NFC. Yeah, yeah. It could be the Vikings, yeah. but some people like Aaron Rodgers. I hear he's good at it football. It ain't the Lions. It ain't the Bears. So. Yeah, well, you know. But, but yes, I'll, uh, I'll tell you this. The Rams I'm a Rams, have an advantage I'm a Rams over. Vikings. Yeah, uh, the, the Rams and the Saints have an mm-hmm. advantage over two others, especially the Rams do because they're building up momentum from last year. And it's not just momentum where you go, okay, you're good down the stretch, like you're the 49ers, yeah. you win the last five games, and then, and yeah. then uh, you're, still, you're, still, you're still looking at new pieces. The, 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 the Saints and the Rams, especially the Rams, even more than the Saints, you know, who went out and got, got some new pieces too, yeah. are pretty much looking at the same continuity, the same team that they had last year. And that's what's very scary about the Rams. The Vikings may look like the best on paper, but yeah, they, some do have a, there. they do have a new quarterback who's not proven in the playoffs at all. Not that Jared Goff is pl- is sure. is uh, proven in the playoffs at all. Uh, no, I, 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 I think the Rams, 
you know, have already developed more chemistry mm-hmm. than the Vikings have. Sure, sure, sure. You talk about the Rams and the Saints as having that stability at the top of the NFC. Uh, Scotty, don't the Eagles fit that description as well? Yes, of course. I mean, oh, okay. we, can't, we, can't, we can't forget the Eagles, but it's just so tough to repeat the NFL. Absolutely. Well, well a lot of people are making their predictions. They yeah. look back at last year, and mm-hmm. every NFL scribe is, is guilty of this. And I, look, I read Pro Football Weekly growing up, but I absolutely loved it. The one thing I didn't like is, you know, two times out of four, they would predict the same team the to same win the thing. Super Bowl next year. Yeah. Too many, th- too many things change, you know. Now, right. it, in terms of the Eagles, uh, you, they haven't lost too much, and you, they haven't been laying out the big contracts that some of the Super Bowl winners have laid out in the past, causing them to lose a lot of key players. They've lost some players, but they've remained mostly intact, but it's very, very hard to re- to repeat in the NFL, and everybody's gunning for you when you're the Super Bowl champ. So, look, the Eagles can't be, be out of the mix, but right. I think the Rams, the Saints, you know, also have to be f- favored as well. It's going to be very, very tough in the NFC to make a prediction about who's mm-hmm. going to win that. And then you look at the AFC, you know, still, and I know you hate to hear this, I don't know if anybody stands up to New England. Yeah, no, I uh, I understand what you're saying, Scott, and I, I do uh, think those are, you know, good takes. You know, the Eagles, if anything – uh, on a lot of ways, they've gotten stronger. When you think about uh, getting Michael Bennett to add to that pass rush, you know, they have a great pass rush rotation. They got like seven guys that they can keep fresh, which is very important. You think about maybe uh, a little bit more of Jay Ajayi than they had last year. I actually believe Mike Wallace is an upgrade on Torrey Smith in that offense as well. And don't get it twisted. Here's another under-talked-about uh, thing, I will say. Their secondary is going to get better. Last year, when this rookie that they drafted Sidney Jones out of Washington. He had a bad injury and missed all of his rookie season. This kid is a stud, trust me, to uh, uh, you know add to their secondary. I do want to say real quick, because you talked NFC and AFC, Part of my thinking is just like you said, Scott, you know how people, experts, you know, say the same thing year after year, that kind of thing. Well, on Fantasy Freestyle, last year when I was doing my team-by-team predictions, I was one of the only people you can go back and check the tape. I had the Philadelphia Eagles last year as the NFC champion. Okay, so I was ahead of it on the Eagles, and part of what I'm doing right now is, and I know that this is not scientific necessarily, Scott, but I feel like I was early with it on the Eagles. I'm not going to be like late to the party and pick the Eagles again, you know, so I'm just, I respect the Eagles. I think they're the class of that division. I think they have a great roster overall, but I'm just going to go elsewhere almost because like, you know, I've already gotten my credit for being on the Eagles, right? So I'm going to go with some other teams. I love what the Rams did in the offseason. And I Look, if you still feel the Eagles are the best, you still got to say they're the best. No, I think they're going to be really, really strong. But the thing is, I think they're going to be an 11-win team, but I just don't think they're going to make it through the gauntlet of the playoffs again. You know, a lot of things happen. You need to be good, and you need to have some luck, right? You know what I mean? In order to actually win a championship. So, you know, I'm just going elsewhere. But to your point, I obviously, I do believe that the Philadelphia Eagles will be very, very strong in the NFC. Um, Scotty, one other thing, listen, and I end with this. I don't want to, like, upset you so early in the morning, but there are reports that Earl Thomas put his Seattle house up for sale. Um, there's reports that, like, you know, 
Uh, I think the quote I saw was that he's a goner. I mean, I don't know. Can I get your updated thinking on this? Has anything changed with this move, or is this Earl Thomas kind of like grandstanding or gamesmanship in this kind of game of chicken he's playing with the Seahawks? Yeah, I think it's more the grandstanding and the gamesmanship. He's, you know, he wants to have this situation resolved, and he wants to have it resolved now. You know, and I, I, you, you hear this a lot in the NFL. I think you hear this, in, you know, in life, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, look, uh, I don't think any anything has changed. Uh, ultimately, I think the Seahawks want to have him on the field when the season opens. If he misses a lot of training camp, I don't think that he's concerned. Uh, right. I think they have some other things that they they have to work out, including you know guys like KJ Wright, et cetera. And, you know, maybe it will come for Thomas. And at some point, you know, it's, uh, it's ugly and it's got to get resolved. It's It comes down to the thing where they, they, there are reports that, you know, that the Seahawks are still asking for too much. Uh, you know, maybe they want a first or a second round pick, but you're talking about the best free safety in the game. So I'm just sitting and waiting for this to play out. But I think when we talk from a gambling perspective and you look at the Seahawks over-under. Look you know, at you! you the, the over-under is going to change if Earl Thomas is not a Seahawk when the Seahawks when the season starts. You he's think that, he's a player who can move the number? He's that much of a piece? I think I know. And I think anybody who watches football, the guy is the best free safety in football. He's a game-changer. Okay, right now the Seattle Seahawks over-under over on mybookie.ag, Scotty, is nine. I got to tell you, I think that's a little rich for me. I'm passing on that overall because I do think, to be honest, I kind of think the northern end of the Seahawks this year is nine and seven. I think that's about maybe ten and six if everything comes up roses for them, you know. Um, But I'm going to stay away from that over-under the Seahawks at nine. What do you think? Uh, I think you have to now because you just don't yeah. know what happens with her. There's better. There's better ones that I would like. I don't know. Did I lose Scotty? Oh, I don't know. We might have lost everybody again, and that would be unfortunate. Um, but here's what I want to do. Um, if everybody can still hear me, what I want to do is we're going to talk a little bit about auctions, okay? Because we talk about different kinds of formats all the time. We talk about different formats all the time, and one of them is we talk about best balls, right? And there's certain things you have to kind of adjust for in best ball. There's certain things you have to kind of adjust for depending on your part of the draft. There's things that you have to uh, adjust for as, you know, you let the draft come to you. And so, you know, the other format, and we don't talk about it as much is the auction. Okay, so I would love to talk a little bit about the auction. And first, I want to refer you, remember, the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Okay, they got a great article in there by Dom Centurino. Um, Great article by Dom Centurino about auction league strategies. Okay. Um, So what I would love to do is talk about actual auction league strategies and why you auction. Let's talk a little bit about auctions and, you know, how you treat them differently if, uh, you know, how you approach them slightly differently. Then what we're going to do is we're going to look back, uh, you know, fantasy football frenzy with our guy, uh, with our guy Corey Parsons. Uh, You know, he had an auction recently and and we were talking with Scotty's kind of results 
of that auction. JP, we got the JP, the night owl, down there in the fantasy pit of misery. Dilly dilly to him this morning. Hey, JP, are you with me? Yo, what's going on, Dane? I don't hear JP. But, all right, I'm going to assume that we are actually, in fact, on. Because, you know, hey, it, like I said, it was, a little, uh, it was a little cloudy and rainy out here where we are. Maybe we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. It happened a little bit earlier in the week as well. But we'll keep on plugging. We'll keep on plugging. That's how we do it here on Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Okay, so here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the auction and the different auction strategies, right? I got to tell you, the the way that I play it is this. I kind of think that I have the ability to find, um, you know, kind of values later on. So I like personally the stars and scrubs kind of approach, right? And that's the biggest difference in an auction and a draft. In an auction, you have the ability to just go get your guys. You may hear that term sometimes, right? There's definitely players that you like better. They're just kind of your guys. Like, for example, let's say you really, really love, uh, you know, Alan Kamara this year or Melvin Gordon or Saquon Barkley let's say, right? If you're picking ninth in the, in the round, you're not going to get these guys, okay? But in an auction, you have the ability to just go out and get the guys you want. And I definitely recommend this if you're a, a kind of owner who likes your guys, quote unquote, right? And you can go out and get them. So I definitely think that is a big difference. And I would listen, I would stick to your people. I would map out who your guys are, what those expected values are, and then to see what you may have remaining. So at the top of the auction, I would definitely just go get your guys. I don't care how much it costs, okay? If you really, hey, Scotty's back. If you really want, you know, Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara, go get them, okay? And then the way I play it is after you've done that, two things. One, I go ahead and I just wait for values. There's always guys who like sneak through the cracks and are under or like the bidding just doesn't get high enough for them. And I like to jump on those some kind of guys. But the other thing I'd like to mention here before we get back to Scotty, who does rejoin us here on Roto Experts in the morning, is my nominating strategy. Okay. Maybe we're going to break. If we're going to break, we're going to go to break. And then what we're going to do when we come back is I'm going to bring scotty back in and talk a little bit more about these auction strategies get his thoughts and see how it played out on fantasy football frenzy in their auction roto experts in the morning fantasy sports radio network on a rainy wednesday in new york have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand or better yet in the pocket of your khakis well check it out now you can it's the fantasy sports radio network app Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, I was starting to talk about auctions and auction kind of strategies, differentiators of auctions, defining the auction, stuff like that. That's a different format, okay, because a lot of people do the snake draft and stuff like that. And so I want to... 
kind of give you guys some insights on the auction. Scotty, I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but I'm glad that you are back. I want to bounce a couple of theories off of you, okay, and see what you think about this. And, and some of this I'm taking because, you know, Dom Cinturino did a great piece about auction strategies and breakdowns in the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Package. One thing that I like to do uh, and part of the reason I like auctions, Scott, is because I can go ahead and get my guys. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that that's really important. You know, sometimes people have a plan going into a draft, and then it goes whatever. And after the draft, you're like, ah, oh, I really like that guy. And they don't wind up on your team. In an auction, you can just target and go and get your guys. So I really recommend that, Scott, even if you got to pay a little bit more than what you were expecting for them because those are the people you have faith in, trust your gut as an owner. And the other reason of that, Scott, is because at least me as, you know, the expert, the fantasy expert that I am, I believe that later on in the auction, I'm going to be able to find values, you know, with $3 players, you know, and I'm going to still be able to build out my roster with people that I do like later on because in auctions, later in the, in the second half of the auction, you always get some guys guys where the room is like, I can't believe he went for that cheap. Right, Scott? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always, you know, I remember my first fantasy football auction. I was like, wow, I got Tory Holt for three bucks. Oh, that's right. kidding me. So it's, there's going to be those. But, but the, uh, and you get it for baseball too, but I really think the auction is more for the hardcore fantasy football player because fantasy football is a mainstream game and people are so used to this snake draft. There are certain things I think that will never catch on as mainstream. And I think you know, fantasy football is a simple game and that's why people like it. Auction and IDP are things that are just never going to catch on in the big picture. But like you're right, you know, the fun of the auction game is you can go after who you want. You know, if you want to have a backfield of David Johnson and Saquon Barkley. It's possible. You could, you, you, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hurt yourself at receiver, but if you have a wealth of knowledge, if you, if you really want to go after a guy, then you go ahead and do it. You know, and I can even do that with sleepers that I like later on. Right. I I hear that. And here's another uh here's a practice that I use at least, Scott. And to be quite honest, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's an expert practice. Uh, so I want to bounce it off of you. Uh, so for example, Scott, I whether it's an auction or a draft, as you know, I'm like kind of waiting on quarterback, right, as a theory, okay? So when there's an auction happening, to be honest, when it's my turn to nominate someone, frequently I nominate someone I have absolutely no interest in for myself, Scott. I nominate people that I don't want but that I know other people want because all I'm trying to do is drain their cash so that I have more leverage over the other bidders in my auction. Does that, does that uh, make sense, Scotty? Is that like smart to do? That's not an expert strategy. I think anybody in an auction pretty much, you know, defaults to doing that because you want really? to see you know, conceptually. You want to see uh, people spend money on players that you don't want, but mm-hmm. you have to be careful about how much you throw the guy out at. Uh, right. Because I, I did that years ago caught. when I did want Tony Gonzalez, and I threw him out at five bucks, and I got stuck with him. You know, towards the end of his career. Mm. And so you got to be careful about how much you nominate on, but you also don't want to tick off the room by nominating, you know, everyone uh, at one dollar. Derek McKinnon at a dollar. Like when we did, we did. Because then you're going to be there for seven hours. Yeah, because when we did the frenzy, the first guy I threw out was Jarek McKinnon. The second guy I threw out was Cam Newton because I, you know, I really don't want those guys on my team. 
Okay, so you agree, like you're trying to drain the budget of other folks. But how, you got to balance that, right, Scott? Because at some point, you just got to go and grab the guys you want because you do have to build your roster as well, right? So how do you balance that? Like, are there times where you would nominate a guy that you do really want and just kind of like go out and get him to lock him in your roster and then play the budgeting game, you know, kind of as the auction goes along? Yeah, because you, I think that happens when you get to the point later in the draft and, you know, you're starting to drain your payroll and saying, man, there's really one guy on the board that I want left. Mm-hmm. And if I don't spend on him now, I'm going to get outbid for him. So I, I have to throw him out now because I want him. And if he, gets, if he gets thrown out a little bit later when I've spent a little bit more money, right. I may not have a chance at all. Okay, so you got to balance that. Sometimes you're throwing out guys that you have no interest in to drain the cash of others, and sometimes you got to snap and get the guy you want. So that, in fact, is the balance. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you this, Scotty. Um, you know, in in Dom's article, right? What he also puts forth is kind of like an overall budget. You know, he's kind of assuming, say, a two hundred dollars salary cap, and he's kind of saying like how much money you should allocate. To, uh, to different positions, you know, he talks about right. like, you know, 20 for the quarterback, 50 for the running back position, you know, what to spend for your defense and tight ends, things of that nature, right? But I think it's so flexible, you know, because you don't know uh, the, the, the desires of everybody else in the room. You don't know, you know, which of those guys you're going to wind up getting for $3, like you mentioned, Torrey Smith or whatever, uh, excuse me, Torrey Holt, or whatever kind of values come later in the draft. And you don't know that. So I think it's good to have maybe like a, a sketch or a broad outline of what you spend. But I really think in auctions, even more, you have to be willing to kind of break that, especially if you're going to feel like you're an expert and go target your guys and then fill it in the back end with what you think are values that you have happen to like wouldn't you kind of even stray away from the budget uh aren't you even more likely to do that stray away from your plan and budget just to go and like we talked about before like go get your guys i think what i like to do is i budget a certain amount for the starting lineup okay uh you know i want to spend heavily on my two on two running backs two and two wide receivers and a little bit lesser on a tight end I think I'm going to spend the bulk of my money on four guys and let everything else kind of fall where it may. Okay, fair enough. And then let me ask you one other thing conceptually about the auction, Scott. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, maybe we'll take a look at some of this fantasy football frenzy uh, auction that you participated in. Or we could save that a little bit for later uh, tomorrow if we have more topics to get to. But in any event, one of my strategies in auctions, Scott, is to really load up on kind of like that second or third tier. Because, for example, you just talked about it, right? You talked about, like, if you want to have Zeke Elliott and David Johnson as your backfield, you can do that. But I think what happens in in auctions a lot, Scott, is um, the true studs, the ones, you know, in baseball, when we're talking about Altuve and, 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 uh, and, and Trout and people like this, and for football, it'd be like the Lev Bell, Todd Gurley, DeAndre Hopkinses of the world. I feel like at the beginning of the auction also, people are all, like, excited to keep bidding, to keep bidding and those guys a lot of times wind up uh you know really really expensive and even over projection but if you drop down just a little bit lower 
right? After everyone spent their crazy like nut of $40 on whoever it is, you know, I, I always find that right in that next tier, right underneath, that's where you can get like adequately priced people and still have like solid, uh, a solid core. So for example, in football, you know, I could see myself easily winding up with something like Melvin Gordon and Devontae Freeman in my backfield, which I, I don't know. I, I know where you're going backfield. with that. I yeah, know where, go you're, where you're going with that. Yeah. But if you, if you want to talk about this strategy, I think Devonta Freeman's got to be your number one because Gordon is going to be spent on heavily. So if you, okay. if you were to say to me, you know, I want to go, uh, you know, Devonta Freeman, Jordan Howard, then I'm okay. following what you're doing. Fair enough. So yeah. without, again, without the specific names, okay, I'm talking conceptually, right, because you say you see what I'm doing. So let's talk about generally what we're doing without the names per se because I, people think about it differently. With all right? respect, so, I think you have to throw the names out there to back it up and illustrate it. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, so you could fill in the names if you want, Scott. That would be adequate. But I'm talking about like waiting for that like 1B tier because I do believe right. that I can load up and get multiple guys that you know you would never be able to form a lineup this way in a draft. You know what I mean? I'm talking about getting like multiple guys that would be like second and third round picks. And instead – so yeah. like at the end of a draft, right, you have three guys that are top three picks, you know, that are top third round picks. I'm trying to almost like not necessarily have the first round pick, but have like four or five guys who are second and third round kind of picks. And I think that makes me a very strong and kind of like balanced team overall. I try to do that sometimes. So like you say, with the names, I am not going to necessarily be in on the bidding of Ezekiel Elliott because he might actually wind up being like literally twice the price of someone, uh, let's say the Devontae Freeman, right? Uh, you mentioned, but if I can get Devontae Freeman and Dalvin Cook or Devontae Freeman, you mentioned, and Jordan Howard, I'm looking at your rankings, or McKinnon, right, or two of those guys, and I could do the same thing at receiver, right? So no, I don't get you know, Antonio Brown, let's say, but I am going to war with like, you know, uh, Mike Evans and Stefan Diggs and uh, Alshon Jeffrey, let's say, as my wide receiver core on balance. And overall, I think that's really strong. And I'm not spending, you know, the high priced items. What do you think about that approach? Because you say you see where I'm going with this. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's certainly very viable. Like if you like to, if I was to target a core four like that, you know, maybe yeah. I would go say Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey right. as my running backs in, in a PPR. PPR. League, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to shoot as high as uh, you know some of those other guys that you right. talked about. And, and then maybe, say like Mike maybe, Evans maybe, and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, maybe my my top receivers are uh, you know uh, yeah, that that that's good right there, like Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton, or uh, you know Doug Baldwin and uh, Thielen and, and Stephon Diggs, you know right. something like that. Okay, and so let me ask you then, Scotty, which way? And then you, you come, then you come out maybe like like you circle around the tight end too, right? And you come out with somebody who's not a top three, but did you like? You sure. know, maybe maybe like uh, maybe like a Jimmy Graham, a Jimmy Graham end. or yeah. something like that, absolutely, or Kyle Rudolph. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you, you know, and we talk about different approaches, right? Which is the approach that you personally, Scott, tend to favor? Is it the like, yeah, go and spend my wad early and maybe try to get the Zeke Elliott and David Johnson or really have like the kind of like in DFS, you know, you talk about like the stars and scrubs kind of idea, you know, like, do you lend to spending the big price, the high ticket items or this other approach that I'm talking about, you know, winding up with a boatload of third round kind of picks. Which do you favor, Scott? I think that I favor 
you know, doing it like a draft. I want an mm. RB1, a wide receiver 1, I see. a wide receiver 2, and an RB2, and then I'll let everything else fall out around it. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, Scotty, because I do think we got a lot of other stuff to talk about here today. So what I want to do is I want to save, you know, the actual results of the fantasy football frenzy auction because now that we today talked conceptually about different approaches, things to do, and I know you guys had the frenzy auction. So maybe tomorrow uh, throughout the week we could look at the results of this frenzy auction and maybe talk about – you know, what are the outcomes when you apply these different strategies? You know what I mean? So uh, I guess like, for example, let's see, the analyst, our guy, Chris Ventra, you know know what I mean? He got Le'Veon Bell. So he definitely spent some money on that. He also has LaShawn McCoy that he probably spent some money on. So let's talk about, we'll, we'll look at if he spent that money, what does that mean for the next tier of his roster as opposed to someone else? We'll look at your team as well, Scott. And without going into it too deeply, you know, you wound up with Saquon, who you probably have to spend a pretty penny on, but then Ronald Jones, right? And then at the, at, you know, when I look at your wide receivers, yeah, you got Julio, but then with people like uh, Cooper Cup and others, maybe you are, uh, you know, kind of going in that other approach. So we'll talk about those approaches as it played out in the fantasy football frenzy auction. How's that sound? Sounds good. Cool. Um, so... As you know, Scotty, we put the fun and functional sports content here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And one of the things we're doing, like, you know, for the uh, last couple of months, we were playing Roto Clio, trying to predict who would hit a home run and stuff like that. And we said we would, if anyone beat us, we would give them a Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Well, no one beat us, and most notably, no one beat Jake. So, you know, the number one accuracy ranker holding it down for the show. But we talked about maybe new ways to bring the listeners in, have some fun. Remember, they could always call us at 844-843-6879. But what we decided to do is, you know, people always love naming their fantasy football teams. Right, Scott? You know, and so... Uh, there's different ones that are puns. Sometimes people like try to make a statement, stuff like that. Um, so we are asking everybody, tell us, submit to us your favorite fantasy football team names of the past or for this year. And we're going to each form a top five, right, Scott? Like I'm going to form a top five out of my, out of the submissions we get. You're going to form a top five out of the ones you like the best. Jake will as well. And then we'll have the producer, whether it's JP or our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal, down there in the fantasy pit of misery on the fourth floor. Dilly dilly to them. And then we'll put those four names in a poll right up, you know, right around Labor Day, right into week one. And the winner, Scott, you have agreed, will in fact get a Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy package. So first of all, Scott, what's the difference between the in-season package and a phone call from you helping them manage their team on a week, right? Right. Okay. And awesome. the, the second place will get the the in season package without only. without the uh, telephone support. Right. <laughs> okay, and the I'll third place that. and Ooh. the third place will get an exclusive edge package for next year. I like that. I like yeah. that. Okay. So yeah. please send us your team names. Hit us up on Twitter at Spittin' Speeds at Scotty Rotox at All In Kid. You could also call the show and give us your team names. And it's interesting. Uh, I do want to make this note, Scott. When I was on, uh, you know. In the second half of the show with Jake, he echoed your opinion that, like, middle school toilet humor um, is not necessarily going to get it done for his top five. I know you felt kind of a similar way, right? Um, So just to let people know kind of what it is that we're judging on. Save that for Carton and Friends. You You can save that for Carton and Friends. Fair enough. Okay. So, Scott – 
I have some nominees that I was sent by direct message um, yesterday, and it sounds like you have some as well. Um, so I want to go through some of these and see what we think, okay? Yeah. Cool. Uh, you want to do yours first or mine? I just have one. All right. Uh, so go ahead. What do you got? Chase LaFont says, who let Pat Mahomes? Okay, Chase LaFont? Yeah. He says, what is it? Who let Pat in my home? Who let Pat in my home? I got yeah. you. Oh, okay. Now, uh, first I laughed, but I disqualified it because, uh, you know, I'm an editor, and you got to be grammatically correct. And his name is Mahomes. His name is Mahomes. So uh, right. it did make me chuckle, and it was a nice attempt. It gets disqualified. Okay, fair enough. And here's the other thing that I have uh, that we may need to make as a ground rule here. At least in some of the formats I play in, wherever the web, whatever the website is, there's only a certain amount of characters that you're allowed to fit in your team name. You know what I yeah. mean, Scott? And so I don't know if who, who let Pat in my home even fits uh, in some formats. But okay. But That's it's okay. out there. I'm not, I'm not big on, how should I say, you know, like a, a, a character limit. You know? Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, yeah. I, I I want like if people get a great idea for a team name, I want them if it's to actually 24 be able to words, use it. though, I think we'll disqualify. <laughs> I want them to actually be able to use it. Yeah. But all right. So who let Pat Mahomes uh, is interesting. But remember, we have others already with Pat Mahomes that I like better. Uh, Mark. Yeah, Bishop. that's what I get concerned about that. We're going to get so many a lot Pat of Mahomes. the same. Submissions, so, yeah. So listen, we, we may have to, uh, you know, narrow it down to – we may have to have, like, the bracket of, like, just the Pat Mahomes region. <laughs> you know, right. with the best Mahomes. But I still – to that point, Scott, Mark Bishop, our guy, already has submitted Make This House Mahomes. And I like that one a little bit better yeah. than Who Let Pat In Mahomes. And remember, I always told, I told you that I do own Pat Mahomes in a dynasty league. I drafted him in the 10th round last year. And so I'm very excited to have him as my 10th round quarterback this year. And I was considering naming my team something like Das Mahomes essay, something like that. So we have plenty Pat Mahomes already. But thanks to Chase LaFont, who let Pat in Mahomes. I got three that I got yesterday, okay, Scott? So I want to bounce them off you, and then we'll kind of fit them in where they belong. Um, I got two from our guy Mendo Bruce, who I think you know, who's a friend of the show. Um, he's got two that I think are kind of interesting. One he's got as The Walking Dez. What do you think about that? That's not bad. That's not bad, uh, right? It's, I mean, it's, not, it's not moving me. But, sure, but I mean, uh, hey, I mean, it, it, I think it does a couple of things. One is, you know, you get the pop culture thing in there, right, with The Walking Dead. But I yeah. like The Walking Dead because a lot of people think Dez is dead man walking, right? That he's pretty much washed, a lot of people think. So I think you have the kind of uh, double meaning there. Like, is Dez Bryan himself part of The Walking Dead these days? So I think that's interesting. Uh, would you I, have think, I think when you got to explain it that much, though, it doesn't – Resonate that much? Let me okay. check with let me check with my friend Rick Grimes to see if he likes it. Okay, ah, fair enough. Hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Let oh. me get Rick quick. Hold on. I don't know, Carl. I, you know, I I like some of these team names, but this one I don't know if it does it for me. I don't know if I can survive with this, so I'm gonna have to leave it behind. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Scott or his friends uh, do not necessarily think Walking Dez makes the cut. I kind of like it. I think because we're still early in the game, it could be in my top five for now, but I think maybe it'll get bumped out. But Mendo Bruce has another one, and this is off of my guy on the New York Jets. Uh, Scotty, you know how I like boom, boom, Bilal, pal, pal, right? So for Bilal, pal, Mendo Bruce also says, what about this? Bilal, right. Uh, not feeling it. 
Not feeling it either. Interesting. No. Sorry, Mendo Bruce. I like that one also, especially if you think about it in the kind of uh, uh, what was that? Days and confused, right? The McConaughey kind of uh, yeah, pronunciation. Ballado, ballado, Yeah. You know what so, I like about fantasy football? Yeah. Is that the players right. get younger and I get older. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of think that was funny. I thought that was okay. And here's one other that I got from a, actually a friend of mine, James Chavone. I uh, call him Rocks. Um, although he said this one, uh, you may not like it because the player that is involved is not really a top line player. Is actually not even that's, smarter that's not, in the that's NFL. That's not a that's not a qualifier. Yeah. That's, so that it's still, it can it's still it's, be eligible. I'm, it's still okay. be eligible. Yeah. All right. What about this, uh, Chad Hene Alavodka? <laughs> like oh, you that. laughed at that one. I like that. I like that. You like Hene Alavodka, huh? Yeah. yeah you like, like Chad that. Hene Alavodka? All right. Yeah, put so that, that in my competition there. That's in there for you. Okay, Any Scotty. I like that. You like that one. We found one for Scotty. Okay, fair enough. Scotty, do you like I also I, I like I also like make this house my home. That's know, what I was going to ask. Okay, that's so That's my favorite so far, but Those Henny are your Alavaca. top 2 right now? Yeah. Uh, how would you rank them? Henny Alavaca 1 or Make This House My Home's number 1? Make This House Interestingly my home's enough, number 1. Interestingly enough, I believe that Chad Henny right now is currently the backup to Patty Mahomes. Oh, very in, good. In Kansas City. So your top five has a decidedly so it's ba- Kansas it's ba- City He's backing Mahomes up. Yeah. There you go. So right now, correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, you have Make This House My Homes by Mark Bishop, the first, and you have Henny Ala Vodka as number two, and your bottom three spots are still yet to be filled because you're not a fan of The Walking Dez or Bilal Wright or what Jim Martell gave us yesterday about Saquon Barkley, correct? Yeah. I got That's- another one just been oh. entered. Nice. Tell us. Yeah, Josh Ackles, obviously a Simpsons fan, uh, with a Simpsons avatar and a Homer Simpsons image, put all about that dough. All about that dough. And what player? Oh, just just about the money. Yeah, but it's okay. it's a it's but a dough play, like it's a play on with Homer. It, it's a play on Homer. You know, it's D, yeah, D apostrophe O H. Yeah. yeah, all dough. about that dough. Got I it. Like, all right. You know what? I, I like it. I like it, but it's not in my top five. It's very creative, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, it's better than some of the other ones. Yeah. But I think I'm just tired of the whole don't thing. I think yeah, it's played I gotcha. out. Yeah. All right, fair enough. So here's what I'm going to do, Scott. I'm but gonna it's put not that, terrible, Josh. I'm going to put that Thanks. in your number five seed yeah. right now, knowing that over time, over the next month, it will likely get bumped out. I like you know it better I mean? than some of the submissions that we've already had. Though. All right, so it, it gets in your top five it, for it's, now. It's, yeah. Yeah, but like, we, we, we believe it'll probably hit the cutting room floor, but we do like... Personally, I'm just tired of the whole dolt thing, you know? Yeah, I got you. But, uh, Scotty, your top five has a very decided Kansas City quarterback feel to... That's coincidence. It. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, so remember, guys, so many ways you can join the fun. Keep on hit us, hitting us up with your kind of ideas, all right? At Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X. Scotty, you know that I have nicknames for days, and I've been saying them on air for a long time. Many of them can be team names as well, like Zach, it hurts when I pee. But we'll get into that <laughs> and other... I oh, like that like a that lot. One. That. That would be my number one if somebody yeah, answered it. But speeds, but, you know, speeds you know what? is uh, it's not like, eligible. I'm not. I'm not even into, into like overly, you know, funny team names. Okay. Uh, you, you know, a lot of my teams, like, uh, like I grew up a Met fan, and my son's name is Sean. So, like, right. a lot of my football teams will be called like the Shea Stadium Sean Hawks. Gotcha. Uh, Stuff like that. Know, last year when I won the GST, you know, with my partner Dom. You know his uh, his brother passed, and we dedicated 
the season mm. to him and his brother is a trucker. His 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 team that was known as fa- his he's he's uh his nickname was the Phantom and you know his area code was five one six. So we called the team Phantom five one six forever. Got you. I like that. I like that. Once uh, with the best championship I ever won, Scotty, uh, I changed my team name. You'll remember this from back in the day. I changed my team name to Irving Favre, rest in peace. And that was because I owned Brett Favre and was in the championship and needed like 40 points. And Brett Favre got me that and more, if you remember, that Monday night football against the Raiders right after his dad passed away. And that took me to a championship that year. So I renamed my team Irving Favre, rest in peace. Scotty, we only have a minute left. I do want to get your quick thoughts on the trade that went down in Major League Baseball, Orioles and Yanks. Zach Britton goes to the Yanks, already fortifying that bullpen. Personally, I think this may be a signal that they don't like the starting pitching options on the market, but I do like this deal for the Yanks, not even necessarily for getting Britton, but keeping Britton away from the Astros, Red Sox, and Indians. What is your, what's your take real quick? We got a minute. Yeah, I, I, do like, I do like the second part of what you said, you know, kind of a – Preventive move, but of course you always want to strengthen a good bullpen like that because you can't trust Patances. That said, you know the starting pitching is still extremely shaky, so you know another move has to come out of this team. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I've been saying for a while they need that number two starter, and now Severino has uh, been getting a little bit dinged up in his most recent starts as well. We all saw the uh, issue there with Gary Sanchez also a couple of days ago, uh, you know, not showing much effort. The Yankees put him on the DL. I personally think it's a little bit of a move of saving face. But I digress. Brad Brock Brock now going to close for sure in the the Orioles. And uh, Britain's got no more fantasy value unless you play with Holmes. Exactly. All right. Brad Brock. We are here. Let him know, Scotty. Have a great Jack day. We'll look at your uh, auction results and we'll talk more tomorrow. Have a great Five day. Hours. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez is the statistician. And the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, the number one accuracy ranker in the business. And you can get his ranks in the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Uh, That is, unless you're allergic to money or unless you're allergic to championship belts and trophies. But it is my honor to have the all-in kid, 8 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. It's a rainy Wednesday where I am, Jake. How you doing? How's the weather where you are? Oh, it's been rainy for like a week here. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's got a case like half of the East Coast. I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's been that way. It's global I'm warming, baby. Got hurt. 
Uh, yeah. Climate <laughs> shift. That's what it is. Um, That's right. That's my answer yeah. for everything. It's an inconvenient truth, Jake. It's an inconvenient yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Cl- hey, cl- climate shifts. Hey, that that's a real thing. Sure. Hey, no, I'm, I'm saying you. I'm saying that is I'm saying like the global oh, warming. Okay. Like, I didn't know climate, if you would be climate. a flat earther here or not. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you believe the global, in climate change? You believe climate this is change, real? not not global warming. Climate change. Two different things. Okay. Fine. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, but I'll in, in a case, any case, I'm just happy <laughs> it's not hurricane force winds because Monday and yeah. Tuesday. Well, wait, that was that was last night. Was Tuesday night? Sunday night and Monday night. It was like uh, we had a hurricane for some reason. The winds and it was just it woke me up both nights and it was annoying. Oh, Jake, you need your sleep. I know. So I hope that you are able to sleep safely as you got another big day of talking fantasy football ahead of you. So let's kick it off. Hey. Jake, one of the reasons I appreciate you so much is like when we, for example, when we were talking about the Minnesota Vikings, right? And you're like, listen, it's going to be really important to see out of Diggs or Thielen, like who plays in the slot and who plays outside. And you, you know, you really are an expert at understanding those things and the implications of such. So I have to start off today. Did you see Jake, the Cleveland Plain dealer is saying they expect Jarvis Landry to start on the outside. Now, this may only be a thing of like when they're in two wide receiver sets and three wide receiver sets, and Landry is the guy who moves into the slot. But I do think it was interesting. I mean, last year, Jarvis Landry played 65% of his snaps in the slot. Um, Jake, does this matter to you, or is this just, you know, the same kind of camp talk that we're going to hear about every player? I'm a little bit, though, intrigued. Do you think Todd Haley, the new OC over there in Cleveland, is going to try to maybe change the profile of who Jarvis Landry is? Might we see fewer catches and maybe more yards per catch this year out of Jarvis Landry? What do you take away from this, if anything? Uh, I don't take away too much. The fact that Jarvis Landry's played outside before, it's not like 100% of his snaps are Yeah, I mentioned 65% the in the slot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so so there you go. Um, where'd you get that, by the way? I'm kind of curious to see if it matches up what? with the, the 65%, um, the number. Yeah, I got it from the, uh, the Roto World note. I got it from the oh, Roto just, World. It was in the it was, notes. It was part of that. Oh, okay. I was going yeah. to compare it to After that, the... it said, like, you know, it said, like, hey, is Todd Haley trying to make him a new player? And then they reported that 64.8% of Landry's snaps were in the slot last year. So I wonder if, like, do you think it's going to be higher or less than that? If, yeah, like, that I... was the over-under, let's say, Scott, uh, Jake, what, what would you think? Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I caught myself. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say probably maybe a little bit higher outside because okay. the fact is you're not gonna see a ton of three wide with the, the okay. Browns. It's just a fact, and it, right. uh, it also depends on. I would expect the number to be decently high if Josh Gordon it does that misses any time. Yeah. I mean, we still have to watch this type. Of, that's why in best balls, I all of a sudden take it in you know Antonio Callaway and Corey Coleman. It's just because at mm. this point of the season we have no idea. And if you're talking about like the 23rd round, I'll take a stab at Antonio. Sure. Tony Callaway, funnily enough, is very similar to Josh Gordon. The fact that he was arguably, I even said this, he was arguably second, third, maybe fourth best talent. When you just talk about pure talent wide receivers in this draft class, but just like Josh Gordon, he's got off the field issues. Uh, not the exact same ones, but he's got off the field issues and he actually didn't even play football last year because of it. So, He's somebody that if you want to throw a flyer on in the best ball, I certainly would because we don't know. And as I said, to go back to this, I think that that number could end up being more like a – it might even flip. It might even be 60-40, 60% outside versus 65% in the slot just because they need them. I mean, they're not going to run a lot of two wide receiver sets with, you know, 
always Landry being in the slot because it's just a, it's a, not a formation that teams use a lot. Okay. Does that change your opinion on him at all in PPR formats? Because, you know, he used to be one of these guys we talk about that maybe gets a little bit of a bump in PPR formats because of the way he's used, along with, you know, we talk about guys like Edelman and, and, and Jameson Crowder, like th- people like that. Does that change your view on him in that kind of typecast role? No, because okay. the, the fact is just that would happen – Without Josh Gordon, I don't expect that percentage gotcha. to be that high if Josh Gordon is out there, which is now he's back in the slot, which is fine. If he's not and he's on the outside, the volume is going to be there because Josh Gordon's not there. All right, fair enough. Let's talk about this. Listen, about Josh Gordon a little bit. Uh, we said we didn't really know what was going on. Part of his like health and wellness plan yesterday, Jake. Um, but yesterday the report I heard was that they are considering this a quote-unquote brief respite for Josh Gordon. And so here's the thing. I am not at all going to say, going to speculate about him, you know, being in trouble or failing a test or anything like that. However, Jake, if you zoom out, the question with uh, with Josh Gordon is his, like, stability and his availability. So if he needs a brief respite, Jake, what happens if he needs a brief respite in November? What happens if he needs a brief respite when I'm making a playoff push in week 12 or something like that? To me, if you zoom out to general kind of uh, instability and you can't rely on him, uh, this kind of concerns me. Maybe it's nothing nefarious right now and because we talked about, like, addressing the situation. But, like, if this guy, like, needs a timeout every now and then, that's no good either. It's definitely it's definitely a concern. I, I think the fact is we still don't really know what the entire picture is. It just yeah. sounds like that's what we're saying. It's not going to be a big deal. I still want to hear a little bit more because the fact that – go back to what the NFL said. They'll be addressing it. There's, this right. just feels like there's something more there when the NFL says they're going to address it. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But as we know, the NFL is very inconsistent. So who knows what that means? We will keep our eyes locked on it and definitely report it to you guys here on Roto Experts in the morning when and if something does shake out there regarding Josh Gordon and what the implications are for people like, to be quite honest, Corey Coleman may stand to be an intriguing player if there is any, uh, you know, kind of missed time for Josh Gordon. Hey, Jake, another thing that I love you for, besides kind of like the roles, what I call the XYZ affair in the uh, wide receivers, is because we talk about in contract language, you know, that they're not really, NFL contracts are not worth the toilet paper that they are written on, and what you got to look at is the guaranteed money, and boy, did Todd Gurley get some guaranteed money yesterday. They extend Todd Gurley four years, $60 million, but the key number here is $45 million of this is guaranteed. I want to ask you a couple questions off of this Jake one what do you feel like if you're Le'Veon Bell right now okay because I've saw a lot of stuff on Twitter people were saying like oh Lev Bell is going to be upset right now I beg to differ I think this is great for Le'Veon Bell I think this is great for David Johnson who comes up next year as well this reshapes the running back market more in line with what Le'Veon Bell's vision was I saw Mark Schlereth kind of uh, uh, put out on social media Le'Veon Bell's supposed 70 million dollar deal from the Steelers only at $10 million guaranteed. Todd Gurley is getting $45 million guaranteed. What do you think this does to the running back market? And do you agree with me that this actually is making Lev Bell happy? I think that if you're looking at it from that angle, it's an interesting way to say, yeah, it's probably making him happy for next year. Mm-hmm. To a degree, you still have to remember that 
he might be a little bit reluctant for teams to invest in him now at his age of another season. The fact that it touches how many he had last year and how many touches he's going to have again this season, it's not going to be exactly the same as Todd Gurley. I mean, Todd Gurley is coming off his third season. Le'Veon Bell is going to be coming off much more than that and coming off another season where he might be, once again, the person who touched the ball the most in the NFL. So... While your point is valid, it's definitely because Le'Veon Bell's been trying himself to move the running back market. He's been yeah. trying to force that needle, and it's good for him. The, the running backs are definitely underpaid if you look at the position that has the biggest effect on a game and the least amount of impact when you talk about a contract. It just doesn't make sense. But at the same time, there's a reason it is, is because teams know they can get away with, you know, we don't need to pay that guy kind of money. If we don't have a Le'Veon Bell – you know, it's what's the next step down? All right, we'll make do, and our backfield will be JJ and Darren Sproles, like and Corey Clement. Like, right? The teams just know that they don't. It's nice you want a Le'Veon Bell, but you don't need one to win Super Bowls, and that's the issue. And that's why running backs are always going to struggle. So while I think he could be happy on one end, saying, you know what, this kind of money is out there. On the flip side, I don't know that Le'Veon Bell is going to get that, or if he gets, does get that, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to be that much more than what he just got. Yeah, fair enough. And you talk about that. If you don't get a Le'Veon Bell, there's perfectly, you know, other valid ways to go about roster construction, especially because, you know, last I checked, the NFL is a violent game. And if you put all your stock, you know, Jake, if you go all in with one back and he goes down, that could leave you SOL. I just think in the same way, Jake, that like, you know, when Matt Ryan signed his contract, when Jimmy G signed his contract and you knew like the next man yeah, up was Aaron Rodgers kind of stuff, you know, what's that? Oh, yeah, I hear you. You're, you're right, and it may be different for position by position, but the idea of still pushing the boundaries for that specific position's market I do think is somewhat helpful to, like, the next man up. Right. You know, you're setting precedent. And, I, and that's what I said. Ideally, yeah. hopefully this changes things, but to be honest, what I'm also saying is it might have a little bit of an impact. I don't think it's going to be huge. I don't think it's going to also start going through the roof like quarterback did off the jump. Uh, basically, this is crazy to think of. Joe Flacco started that, so yeah. you know, it's crazy. <laughs> As crazy it may be, uh, on the Stafford other hand, was a domino also in this. Right. Russell it Wilson might, then fought for the guaranteed money kind of thing. Go ahead, sorry. It, it, it might move the needle, but I'm saying Le'Veon Bell might not be the main beneficiary of it, as crazy as that may sound. Is what I'm right. Saying. It might wind up being someone like David Johnson who comes up and has less, uh, less uh, say, wear and tear on him. Or Ezekiel Elliott. Absolutely. Ezekiel Elliott might end up being the person who really who breaks changes the bank. things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing, though. I, I know David Johnson comes up next year, right? And David Johnson and – imagine, Jake, imagine next year if both David Johnson and Lev Bell are both on, like, the open market. You know, they could be kind of using each other as leverage and creating bidding wars. And I, I, I do think, you know, because it's a supply and demand kind that's, of thing, right? That's a, it's a very, I'd say, real possibility because don't forget David Johnson's not – it's a top pick, and Le'Veon Bell right. is already gone. So this isn't, you know, there's nothing. They don't have an option to try and slap back onto David Johnson. It's, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a distinct possibility. And, you know, and you put more of those guys in the market together, and, you know, 
what team wouldn't want to take a swing at an all-pro running back, you know? I mean, I'm just completely speculating, you know? But, like, imagine, you know, Lev Bell went to Michigan State. Imagine Lev Bell in that Jim Bob Cooter offense up in Detroit with all that stuff they've got. Um, but, you know, who knows, right? But I'm just saying uh, it could be a very interesting running back market next offseason. But let's talk more about this season because we're getting into fantasy football. And remember, you can get the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Uh, enter the promo code ALLINKID at uh, checkout. You'll get a special discount. We've also got ways for you to get a free package. We've got some new fantasy uh, team name submissions, Jake. We got a couple of decent ones. I think you might respond favorably to some of them. We'll bounce them off you a little bit later on in the show. We're also excited to have Colin Drew make his triumphant return to Roto Experts in the morning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of golf. We'll look back a little bit on the uh, British Open, the Open Championship, and we'll talk about the Canadian Open that uh, gets going this week, eh? Um, Jake, one other piece. I know that I've heard from you a lot of times this idea, you know, that you don't necessarily drop people in your rankings until there's actual news about it, right? Uh, it may have been a little bit different with Josh Gordon because of the track record, but we've talked about this with people like Shady McCoy and others. I want to get an updated read on how you feel about the Bengals' tight end position as it relates to this, Jake, because I saw news, Bengals.com yesterday, reporting they don't expect Tyler Eifert to be ready for the start of training camp, okay? And, like, we have been down this path before with Tyler Eifert, so for me, he has some of that track record um, of being kind of this injury risk. The way I frame the question for you, Jake, is, listen, at what point – do you start, like, at what point in the season or the preseason or in camp does this start to really, really concern you? And as a ripple effect of that, at what point do you start to maybe move Tyler Croft up your tight end ranks? I mean, there were times last year, Jake, where Tyler Croft was viable in DFS. And if I told you right now that Tyler Eifert misses the entire season, I don't think that's the case. But then I believe Tyler Croft could be in that Baskin-Robbins flavor tier of tight ends as well. Um... At what point do you get concerned about this? And what, what, what does this mean for a guy like Tyler Croft, Jake? I'm not moving yet because I was okay. never that excited about it. Like, I was expecting Tyler Eifert to play, I think I projected him out for 13 games, maybe even mm. 12. And he's tight end 16 with 496 yards and five touchdowns. whoop de do. But that's the thing. If you look at it. You can do that in maybe even 10 games because it is Tyler Eifer. We know he's going to do what he's on the field. So 42 receptions, 496 yards, and five touchdowns. It's really nothing to have him as tight end 16. It's not a big deal. And Tyler Croft, almost, he's almost exactly half that. So, you know, maybe as we get into the second, third week of the preseason and it looks like he's going to miss the first four to six weeks, mm-hmm. then we start really moving it. But I've already accounted for Tyler Eifer not playing a full season. Right, so fair enough. But you could just clarify, check me if I'm wrong here. You do project Jordan Reed to play a full season, is that correct? No, I have Jordan Reed for, well, 15 games. A similar, okay, okay. So, so we're not going to that well thinking he's all of a sudden going to be healthy and actually gave out 16 games. But, but Jake, I mean, I just want to, people should keep their eye on this because, you know, Croft could represent value if Eifert misses some time, uh, and certainly as a DFS potential option uh, on some weeks if if the matchup is right. Jake, the uh, there's one a lot other... of Tyler's there. There are a lot of Tyler's. Tyler, Tyler, Eifert, are. Tyler Boyd, Tyler. They have the Kroft. wide receiver too. Yeah, Tyler Boyd as well. Is he still on that roster? Yeah, yeah, he's still there. Okay, I mean, only, I, I think it's only his third season. They can't get rid of him that fast. 
Yeah, but at the same time, you know, what is he, the fourth maybe at this point behind Ross, LaFell, and Green? Is that right? Yeah, but most teams employ Still at on least the roster, five or six. <laughs> I'm yeah, well, checking who's Or if you're the Jets. Him. Or if you're the Jets, you employ yeah. 13. <laughs> you know, so, okay. They, they, they drafted Auden Tate, so that's a threat. But they, Josh Malone and Alex Erickson, uh, Erickson I, don't, I mean, I don't know that boys yeah. going to be afraid of a roster spot. All right, fair enough. So hopefully they can maintain the triumvirate of Tyler's in the Cincinnati offense. Let's see. He was moving drafted forward. in 2016. Yes, yeah, third season. Yeah. All right, so he's still got some chance. He's still, Don't make he's me still question myself. Listen, Jake, he's still got some time. Let's hope he takes a step forward this year. All right, Jake, um, here's what I want to do. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about this pros versus Joes uh, draft that you were in. I know you had some things to say about the other owners and the time it took, but let's just look at this draft a little bit. Here's what I wanted to ask you about, um, Jake, as we look at this. We talked a little bit yesterday about how you decided you went wide out, wide out, wide out. Right. I look at another roster here. I look at Jason Rock Phelps and he went uh, running back, running back, running back. You know, so I what I want to do is kind of running back. You forgot the fourth one. He went four running backs, even so. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want to do. I want to, like, compare holistically. Like if you go heavy wide out. Right. I want to look at your like RB two and three versus he went heavy. Running back, I want to look at his, like, wideout two and three and think, you know, how you kind of compare those. Does that make sense to see kind of like the implications of what you're bastardizing when you go heavy in one position, if that makes sense? So, Jake, for example, you go wideout, wideout. Wide you can read my article today at rotoexperts.com, which Ooh. looks at my roster, my roster and what my roster would have been if I would have made one change in my draft. See, Jake, I did not know that. You are ahead churning out the content. Well, it's, like, not, it's, not, comparison to his, it's not comparison to his team. It's just comparison to what my team could have been. Would so have been, different. like yeah, in different so scenarios. Different. Okay, yeah. fine. Do you remember? Basically, uh, as a tease, I said if I would, you know, could go back in my DeLorean to the fantasy draft and say, mm -hmm. all right, I'm changing my – I would have not have taken Hopkins knowing he was going to go running back, running back. I would have went Dalvin Cook, which would have changed the rest of right. my draft. Because you still could have got D-Hop on the comeback. Mm, no, I give myself Odo Beckham still on the comeback, figuring he would have taken DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, okay. So I, I still would have had Beckham and Hilton, but LaShawn McCoy would have changed. Maybe Jeffrey, maybe Lynch. Well, definitely Lynch. Like, so I just I broke it all down. You'll you'll read about it. Okay, I'll 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 be sure to check that out on uh you know on the A train on my commute today. Let's look at the other side. Um, the Jason Rock Phillip roster, right? He goes with four running backs to start. Okay, he winds up still having DT Demarius Thomas as his wide receiver one. Okay, you know I think he's a wide receiver two, but fair enough. I think the implication comes, you know, he's gonna have to start Corey Davis and Pierre Garcon as his uh, two and three wide receivers. Compare that up against, oh, I don't know, let's say Graham Barfield, right, who kind of went back and forth. His wide receivers two and three are Fitzgerald and Hogan, you know, and that, that's much, much better. And he still has Darius Geis as his running back two. Granted, that's not as good as a Jarek McKinnon, but it is kind of in yeah, line with maybe a – Okay, so there you go. Even more to the point, right? If he's in the same neighborhood as McKinnon and Mixon and that sort of thing, and he still gets an RB2 that you think is comparable, but he's running out wide receivers, uh, this being Graham Barfield, much better at the wide receiver two spot than, say, like Corey Davis, although we know Corey Davis can take a bump up. Is this kind of, you know, how would you compare these holistically? And, and I guess overall, what is the value of going so heavy on the one position early, Jake? 
There's not. And the hmm. whole point of my article, too, is that we always say best player available and you can win from any spot in the draft and, you know, uh, just take what's out there and best value. Like, oh, and those are all cliches. And at some point, that doesn't always end up being true. It's true for the most part, but you can't, you know, you look at Jason Rock Phelps and the fact is if he keep, you know, fifth round. Honestly, if you're looking at the board in the fifth round, Ronald Jones still sitting there was the best value. If he took a fifth running back, right. I mean, that'd just be. If you keep taking the best value and never take a tight end, despite the fact that everybody's taking tight ends, your starting tight end is going to end up being Gerald Everett. Like you, so, you, to a point, that's and I say, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, and I break it down more in the article. But that's just the point that, like, while it's always best player, best value, and that you're always going to get a winning team that way. You can't 100% go by best player on the board just because of what you're going to end up with. And I think to your point is I don't like going hard with one position either way. I don't like going four running backs. I don't like how my team turned out with three wide receivers, despite Mm. the fact I have the biggest leg up on anybody at wide receiver two with Odell Beckham because he is a top three wide receiver. I have the biggest leg up on anybody as wide receiver three because nobody's coming close to sniffing T.Y. Hilton as their wide receiver three. Some people don't even have that good of a wide receiver two. So there is a leg up, but what you sacrifice elsewhere, there's, you're always going to sacrifice something. If you, if you slam one position, whether it's running back, whether it's wide receiver, you're going to be sacrificing the other. Yeah. And and Jake, just to follow up on that. And would you say that is even more the case in a kind of best ball league where you can't then during the season deal from that position of strength, you know, because right away when I saw your roster and I love, you know, your wideouts, D-Hop, Beckham, and T.Y. Hilton, I, my original thought was, hey, you can start to shop Alshon Jeffrey potentially and fill whatever holes, but then I remember it's a best ball league, right? So I guess my question then, is that even more the case in best ball? Because you, you can't then load up on, say, six running backs and deal later on from a position of strength. Is that even more the case in best ball, Jake? It's definitely something you have to think about. That's with best ball not being able to trade is you know it does you no good to have uh, abundance of talent in a certain position if you can't use it. Fortunately for this, it's two wides, two flexes. Mm. So you know Jason's team has a little bit more of a benefit of having the four running backs, but then he did get C.J. Anderson. And honestly, the way that he did it is. Risky as a whole. The only other running back he drafted after those first four is C.J. Anderson. CJ. The rest yeah. of the way was wide receivers. And then so he, he obviously a number of like potential pop-off wide receivers that can all have right. big games. So he you know? basically went zero wide receiver right. for all intents and purposes. And interesting in the best ball, he has some of those kind of deep threat guys, you know, the Richardsons of the world, the Corey Coleman's, who could be very, very interesting, especially in a best ball. And format. with that kind of volume, it can mm. work. The only, the only problem is here's his mistake: is when he started taking the kickers. He started taking. He jumped in early. Yeah, and <laughs> he's got three of them. And Paul Richardson, Rashard Matthews, those are definitely a Quincy Nua, and that's what you're looking for. Keelan Cole. I like all those for the fact that if it's a best ball, you know what? One of those guys is bound yeah. to have a good week. And so the volume of wide receivers that he has to potentially make up for those spots is understandable. But when you're taking kickers as early as he did, you could have also had Jordan Matthews, Michael right. Gallup, Chris Godwin, John Brown, if he stays healthy. And he's that's always, a best ball kind of guy, yeah. 
Right, and so that's the thing. That's where he went wrong, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. I want to ask you one more question about the best ball format because uh, we talk about who are the kind of best ball wide receivers that we talk about. You talk about how you got to, you know, draft multiple defenses and even potentially multiple kickers if they still have not heard the Sealy platform of no kickers. What I want to ask you, because we talk about the kind, like some wide receivers are good best ball types, right? And we talk about, you know, Deshaun Jackson as kind of like the, the case study of that. Jake, can I ask you, what do you look for maybe more so than others in quarterbacks for best ball formats? Like, are there any guys that you can really kind of target that maybe increase their value in best ball formats? Like, for example, does the, does the Lamar Jackson, you know, or the running quarterback, like, does they improve value because some weeks they're going to have, you know, 80 yards rushing and a touchdown? I know how it relates strategy-wise to, say, the wide receiver position. Does, are there any kind of rules of thumb at best ball as it relates to the quarterback position, Jake? You're just mo- – well, because I took a per- quarterback that I don't ever draft in any league, and it just opens up to, like, the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world. Ah, That's the not- home road splits. Yeah, so now I can live with that next to Andrew Luck, and you know what? Ben Roethlisberger's amazing home games are probably going to be even better than Andrew Luck if Andrew Luck's even 100% at times because that's what Ben Roethlisberger does. So that's the only difference is because you're drafting two likely three quarterbacks, you can live with the Roethlisberger's of the world. You can live with the Jameis Winston's of the world. Uh, So uh, that's the difference is what it really comes down to is understanding that you pretty much want to try and pair either – Two solid. I like. There's no problem going with Stafford and Rivers. I mean, you're bound to have right. 16 good weeks out of that. Mm-hmm. But if you have the, you know, the Andrew Luck Roethlisberger comparison or co- co- uh, combination, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, that's a good one. I see somebody has that. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, you know, kind of you do still think about the idea of the floor and the ceiling there uh, when you're looking at the quarterback position as well. Jake, we're going to have Colin Drew join us in a couple of minutes. I want to bounce a couple of fantasy football team names off of you, okay? And we know already that you are not going to go with the uh, middle school humor. You've made that point clear, okay? So I got a couple I want to bounce off of you. Uh, Our guy Mendo Bruce, who's a friend of the show, he's got two names. Uh, How do you feel about The Walking Dez? It's okay, especially because he's he's broken down at this point. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I I was explaining to Scott, you know, there's kind of double meaning there. They get the pop culture with The Walking Dead, but Des Bryant himself is kind of like dead man walking, right? So I think, you know, that's okay. Um, And then, Jake, you know how much I love my guy Bilal Powell. Boom, boom, Bilal Powell, Powell. Well, think about this name, also submitted by Mendo Bruce in the kind of Matthew McConaughey of it all. Um, He would go, all right, all right. Bilal Wright. What do you think about Bilal Wright? Mm, that's, it's, uh, it's, that's right there with the walking Dez. All right, so it's, here's what I'm going to do. It's decent. It's decent, Bilal right? Powell is just, just kind of eh. Okay, fair enough. And here's, here's my thing, Jake. Tell me if this is okay with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put them in the bottom part of your top five, you know, like four or five for now, but knowing Why that over mind? time. Well, because we got to fill these up. It's early in the it's early in the contest, Jake. So, so I'm put just putting them yours. there. Oh, I think they are. Right. But I'm saying, okay, but I, I, we got to fill up your top five somehow, eventually. No? Yeah, we'll, we'll get more submissions. I don't All know right, those. we'll get some more those submissions. I got one more to bounce off you a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of golf, okay? Hopefully we uh, avoid the native area with Colin Drew. When we come back, it's uh, Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and Jake Seeley. You got the number one accuracy ranker in the business as we head into fantasy football. I am merely the spitting statistician, the stable genius, and vocal minority of the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And we bring in Colin Drew right now. He represents DailyRoto.com. Remember, you could still potentially win two tickets to a 2018 Fall Classic by playing in the Daily DFS game sponsored by DKMS over at DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there. And we bring in Colin Drew right now to talk a little Canadian Open, eh? How you doing, Colin, on a Wednesday? I'm doing pretty good. It's it's not actually too bad of an event. I was, I was worried it would be maybe with the Open Championship last week, a little bit of a hangover. Right. Uh, yeah, there there were a couple hangovers at the Open Championship, I guess. Eddie Eddie Pepperell had a pretty infamous one. He said he drank a little too much on Saturday, and then he came out. He fired one of the lowest rounds of the day on Sunday and almost found himself in a tie for first place. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's like David Wells pitching a perfect game after he, uh, you know, likes to party a little bit. But first, hey, Colin, I got to look back. Listen, I, uh, you know, we missed you last week. Okay, because I really wanted to play the Open. I wanted to play a little fan duel with the Open. I wanted to get your insight so I can get ahead of the game. I didn't have the chance to talk to you. So, I, you know, I went over to Daily Roto. I went over to some of these other sites. I tried to put together a lineup myself. Colin, I scored uh, 336, and I didn't make any money. Is that like a decent score in golf for DFS? I put up 336.6, and uh, I got zero cash out of the deal. Yeah, it might have been a good score if you were playing like the the one day Sunday slate or something. Gotcha. But it doesn't seem like a good score for the full week. Yeah, I had Justin Rose who did well. I had Kuchar who did well. Casey who was a little disappointing. I did have Zach Johnson who did well and Stuart Sink who did okay. But then I filled my lineup out with a guy named uh, Imalinio Grillo who missed the cut. But I was uh, I felt like I was still in it. Like Kuchar and Rose were making charges on Sunday, but uh, it was not to be for me. Where'd I go yeah, wrong, Colin? Where'd I go wrong? I mean, it's just, some of it's just variance in golf. Like, Rose made the cut on the number, but then he went absolutely ham went on off. the weekend. So, <laughs> woo, it was crazy. Um, but, yeah, Grio was a, was a great play. He was really underpriced. He just he missed the cut, and it's going to happen. Most weeks, the best lineup we can make is like 15 or 20% to get all six guys through the cut. So, it's pretty tough to get six to six. And if you're playing tournaments, you're not really going to cash. Um, at least not cash big unless you get all six. So that's one of the reasons I like to play multiple lineups sometimes. But if you are just playing one lineup, you kind of just got to be patient. It could take two or three months to get, you know, a couple teams with six of six. And then you got to find the winner, too. You know, it's 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 different when you're playing baseball. You can play every night. It's easy to forget it. Golf, if you have a bad week, it grinds on you for like a week. If you have four bad weeks in a row, it grinds on you for a long time. Yeah, man. Well, you abandoned me, so please don't ever do that again. Jake, what do we got for Colin? I went down with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for this week, what do you do when you have a situation like Dustin Johnson, who's, according to at least your projections, and a lot of I see a lot of people out there saying the same thing, where he's such a gap between him and everybody else. Is it 
you have to just figure out the best Dustin Johnson lineup, or do you go out there and say, you know what, if I only got one or two lineups, I'm going to ignore Dustin Johnson because now I know I'm knocking out 70, 70, 65% of the field. Yeah, so it, one of the things is that we like to have is the ownership projections. I think we've got Dustin Johnson around 30% owned on DraftKings. He'll be a little bit higher than that on FanDuel. And I think at 30% ownership, that Dustin Johnson is still a good play, even if you're making one lineup. You actually don't sacrifice that much as far as your probability of getting all six golfers through the cut by playing DJ. I think the best team we could make this week with our made cut probabilities had 14% chance of going 6-6, six six, and the best Dustin Johnson team was 13.5%. So I think playing Dustin Johnson still makes sense. The, the other thing you're kind of thinking about is the pivot plays, and Tony Finau is going to be one of the other popular guys. He's a little bit underpriced this week, um, but his ownership is going to be 30% too, and so DJ is a big favorite. Uh, we've got him a little bit better than plus 600 to win the event. Uh, we haven't had anybody as that big of a favorite since Earlier this year, it was actually the event that Dustin Johnson won. So it's one of those things where the field up top has some okay names. The field down below is pretty weak, and he does have a really good track record here. It is a course that sets up more for bombers. It had the, the most eagles on tour last year were scored at this event. So I think DJ is almost a lock to get at least one eagle this week, which is always big for DraftKings scoring. Yeah, absolutely, Colin. You're talking about maybe making the best Dustin Johnson lineup. And uh, here's the thing. I was going to ask you about that. Looking at the course, you know, it's a par 72, the Glen Albee golf course out there in Ontario. Um, and, you know, some of the things I'm reading say, like, strokes off the tee, driving distance. Those are some of the big stats you're looking for. So it looks like it profiles for some of those bombers that you mentioned. We know Johnson is one of them. Who are maybe some other guys like that who are bombers off the tee who may be lower priced that could be an option for you to round out a lineup? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, the bomber angle. I mean, the stroke gain approach is always going to be number one, even if it's the most bomber-heavy course that's available. Like Most of your shots are hit on approach. you got part threes where you can't hit the driver. So it's always stroke gain approach, number one. But driving distance matters more this week than it does at some of those other weeks. Uh, two really interesting names that a lot of people who are more casual may not have heard of are Cameron Champ is the first one I want to talk about. He's actually a web.com tour player, but he had seven straight top 25s on the web.com tour, won his last event. He was averaging 340 plus off the tee in that event, actually hit a couple drives above 390, and he's really missed price on DraftKings according to the betting markets. So he's $7,000 on DraftKings. The betting markets imply that he should be at least $8,000. So that's one guy that is really mispriced. Uh, we don't have a ton of data on him, so he's not necessarily popping in our projections, but writing him up in the pro tip as we speak. And I think Cameron Champ is one of those guys. And then another guy that's a really cheap flyer, um, Norman Norman Zong, goes by the, the Panda Man is his nickname. Uh, he's an up-and-coming golfer, was top five in the World Amateur Golf Rankings, and is the minimum price at $6,300 on DraftKings. He missed his cut in his first two tour events, but he's a bomber as well. Uh, gain strokes off the tee in both of those events. And there's another guy that if he does make the cut, should be able to score on some of these par fives at Glen Abbey that are some of the easiest on the tour. You know, I've seen some people kind of go the other way too, saying that the control players like McGirt and Laird are, are, are some interesting plays. Are, are you looking at it that way in, in any way? Um, so I think Laird still gets it out there a good bit. Um, 
one of the things is kind of the course conditions. And last year we did see it being very bomber friendly. Jonathan Vegas has won this tournament in back-to-back years and he's a bomber. And one of the things that contributed to it last year was that the course was really soft and the, the rain um, kept it soft. And the early kind of commentary from the players and from even the tournament hosts themselves is that it seems like it's going to play soft again. So um, strokes gained approach was important last year, but if you looked at the top 10, the leaderboard, each of those guys was gaining three plus strokes off the tee. So I'm definitely favoring uh, some of the the bombers still. Uh, I would say up at the top, I don't think you really, like all those guys can kind of contend and win any given week. Like Matt Kuchar is not the longest guy in the world, but I don't think you're crossing someone like him off the list. So it's really with more of the value plays that I'm going to kind of try to hone in on that angle a little bit more this week. Thanks a lot there. We got Colin Drew representing DailyRoto.com where they make millionaires. Uh, let's get you out of here on this real quick, Colin. Are there, is there any other guys, you know, that you want to throw out for our listeners that, uh, you know, that you think could be a diamond in the rough for us on this week? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think those are kind of the, the two guys down cool. low. Uh, I think the big thing is, like Jake had mentioned, that Dustin Johnson is going to be really popular. Tony Finau is a great option, but he's going to be really popular as well. It could lead to a situation where Brooks Kepka goes a little bit lower owned. So we like Dustin Johnson a lot more outright. We still think he's a good tournament play, but if you're building multiple lineups, I think that Brooks Kepka makes for a better tournament play than Tony Finau because I think his lower ownership will offer you a little bit more leverage on the field. So if you're playing in some of those huge field tournaments, I think Kepka is a better option. If you're playing cash games, I think I'd go with Tony Finau. All right, there you have it, Colin Drew, DailyRoto.com. Uh, you know, the money you win in the Canadian Open still works for goods and services in this fair country. So go on over and check out uh, Colin's work. Check out DailyRoto.com. And he's giving you some insight, uh, you know, for this upcoming week. Thanks a lot for spending a couple of minutes with us, Colin. I do wonder, though, what's the native area for the panda man? Is it like the jungle? Yeah, exactly. I, I, he hasn't ended up in the jungle too much. He's bombing it right down the middle. He's He's been a little weak with his uh, putters, so hope, hoping that clicks a little bit up in Canada. All right, fair enough. Enjoy the rest of your week, uh, Colin. Hope you get a little bit of cash this week at the Canadian Open. We'll talk to you next we'll week, all right? We'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks a lot. There you have it. Colin Drew getting you ready for PGA golf at the Canadian Open. Jake, you know, we talk about west to east and that kind of travel in the NFL. Do you think it matters? Like all these players on Sunday, you know, they were over in uh, they were over in Europe. They were in, uh, you know, Karnuski. They have to take the long flight back across the pond over to Canada. Do you think that uh, actually impacts these golfers a couple of days later? Do you think they're still getting over some jet lag this week? Uh, I don't think so, but I don't know. I've never dug into the golf that much. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. We, 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 we generally speaking, respect the kind of idea of sleep and time zone and flight as, as a factor in performance, generally speaking. So I just wonder yeah, what the application but, is um, to the golf world. But we've seen it in the one. I don't know if we've seen it in golf. That's yeah, something I, I you wonder. ask Colin before you hung up with him. Well, you know, I'm just saying I wonder. That's all. You know, it's more of a rhetorical question as I transition to something else, Jake, as we have six minutes left here on Roto Experts in the Morning before Carton and Friends takes over. Remember, I told you about the partnership with Daily Roto and DKMS and how you could still win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go on over there and play DFS with them. And, of course, don't forget about going over to mybookie.ag and to the promo code fantasy f-n-t-s-y i do want to shift gears here for a second jake so not all in kid oh. anymore no i was uh i was talking about for my bookie i said F-N-T-S-Y. oh for my bookie yes, i missed yes, the my yes. bookie part 
It's all yeah, good, Jake. I know. I, it's all good. I know how you like to make sure we stay accurate the entire time, and that's what we're doing. But the FNTSY is for mybookie.ag. But of course, Jake, people should use the All In Kid promo code for the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. I do want to talk baseball for a hot second, Jake. Um, the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees. It looks like have finalized a deal for reliever Zach Britton. Um, listen, sure. I think from a Yankees fan perspective, like. Sure, okay, I don't know that he's, like, really exciting to me as opposed to, say, like, a starting pitcher, uh, a, a number two pitcher for me could have been, like, if they did get one of the Mets or they did get a guy like Mad Bum. But if the market just isn't there for that kind of top-end starter, I'm, I'm okay with trying to fortify the strength that already is the bullpen. But I got to tell you, Jake, what I think is the biggest part of this move for the Yankees, see if you agree, is this keeps Britain away from the Astros, away from the Red Sox, and away from the Indians. That's what I think is the most important p- move part of this move for the Yankees. What are your takeaways from this trade, Baltimore, New York? Yeah, I mean, look, they're trying to replicate the team that they've had before back in the the best, some of the best years where the bullpen was shut down, just like the Astros are. Just like it's copycat football. Everybody says copycat league. Baseball does the same thing. They see who wins World Series. They see what's working. Cleveland started this. The Cubs have had, you know, that's why they traded for oldest Chapman. This is what people are trying to do. They're trying to lock in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And now at this point, they already have one of the better bullpens and, now it's beyond formidable. And the fact is with them is maybe they don't need the starting pitching is that they're out of the game at the fifth inning because you got six through the ninth innings taken right. care of. So, I, I, you know, I, I agree the Yankees should have gone after a starter. Maybe they still will, but it's a high price to pay for a rental reliever. And I just think this is, again, telling. And granted, he is significantly better than Familia. But, again, why Mets fans should be boycotting and moving on to another team at this point because the fact that the Familia – got thrown away just so they could recoup $3 million, and the Orioles got what they, they got a top 10 Yankees prospect Tate. and other pieces. Yeah. No, I hear you. Remember, I do think one of the differences, you know, I mean, Britain is a lefty, and that's interesting, especially in Yankee Stadium, so that helps. That helps that. You know, you talk about how teams are going in this way. Don't forget the Kansas City Royals, even. You know, uh, when they kind of popped off and, and, and were in the World Series two straight years, they were building a seventh, eighth, and ninth inning as well as kind of their uh, approach, shall we say. So, it's interesting. Keep an eye out. There's only one week left until, you know, like the non waiver wire trading deadline I mean do you think there are going to be other big names that are on the move do you think one of these top end starters are going to move or do you think what we're really talking about is like Hamels and J.A. Happ that are going to be the biggest names that change teams in the next week or so probably them maybe Archer at best but uh, that's kind of I mean I think you're looking at those Archer and then on the hitting side like Drupal Cabrera or something like that Fair enough. You know, Jed Lowry as a middle infielder has been talked about as well. Keep no, an eye they, out. The athletics but now Oakland's are going for it now, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy that the, the A's are making this run. In fact, you know, they're still right there. And uh, you know how you can turn from potential sellers into buyers. Thanks for the clarification there. Obviously, if they're going, if they did get familiar, they've, uh, they've looked themselves in the mirror and saying, let's go for it. Jake, I do have one more team name to bounce off of you. And this is from a friend of mine who hit me up uh, offline and here's my question Jake do you think it has to be like it's a pun on a player's name but do you think it has to be like a player that is like you know a high-end player for your team or can it be any player 
It depends on All how right. good it is. <clears throat> All right. How about this? How about uh, Chad Henny Alavodka? Nah, that's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Okay, fair enough. I'm trying to find something that's going to move the needle for Jake. And me and Scott thought it was interesting. uh, Scott actually has it in his top five. And we thought it was interesting that there are so many submissions already with Pat Mahomes. You know, make this house my homes. I talked about that's my homes essay. Chase LaFont also, I guess, uh, submitted who let Pat in my home. But Scott disqualified that because the guy's real name is Pat Mahomes. Not Mahomes, yeah. and I would. I well, know you're a stickler give, for details as well. Go ahead. I'll give you two. I'll give you the two that I got from my list that you can put in there. Okay. Yeah. What do we got? You can put in uh, "Baby Got Dak." Okay. I like that. Ba- who is that and from? The, do we know who that's from? I gotta go back and look. I was All right. Go back and hit me up because if they wind up winning, we gotta know who to give the package to. What else okay. we got? Uh, the other one was uh, Pokemon Grief. <laughs> Pokemon Creef. I I like that. I in my own past have had a team name with Moncrief in it, uh, but it was more Jamaican, shall we say? Mine was like Yeah Moncrief uh, okay. in the past, but I do think Moncrief does, uh, you know, fit the bill. I think we're gonna get a lot of Pat Mahomes submissions, but I do like Dante Moncrief as well. So there you have it. Are you putting them in your top five for now? Jake, baby got Dak and Pokemon Grief. All right, fair enough. So do me a favor and let me know either offline or tomorrow who those guys are. Okay, and then tomorrow, remember, we'll go back into our AFC's previews. Roto experts in the morning, Jake and Dane, signing off for today. Carton and friends up next. Tomorrow, we'll go back into our AFC's previews, and we'll see if we get more submissions for team names in our contest to win. Remember, the Roto Experts exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the promo code ALLINKID at checkout. Have a great day, Jake. I'll talk to you later.